excited to keep coaching, keep working, you know. So just thankful to, first of all, to our players and uh, the hard work and the belief they have in, in, in the system and our program. And I'm just thankful to the administration, you know, Tom Homo, President Worthen for all their hard work and uh, their belief in me and my coaches and the uh, support staff. Everyone that's been involved with BYU, just has so much gratitude coming from me. I Just on behalf of me and my family, just thank you. So well, my family and I, we love it here in Provo and we're looking forward to spending more time here. Kalani Sataki, not in a particularly good mood. and I mean, well, he's in a good mood, but not in a mood to talk about the extension. But he gets it regardless, and uh, BYU gets the win against mighty Idaho State. Oh, man. It's already starting, Hans. I, I come in here just expecting the best from you guys. <laughs> and, and, and now what I'm realizing what? is there's a reason you and Scotty G are the best, because you guys are kind of both y- – y- I don't. I don't know if I can use the word. I, I know for a fact I can't use it. What I want to call you guys. It's probably for the best. That, yeah, that is for the best. <laughs> if I want to stay on. If awesome. I want to stay. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. You know, thoughtful. Yes. Kind. Know, handsome. Handsome. All, the, all of those things. But the, he had to talk about the mighty. Um, <laughs> no, mighty, that's him. Uh, you love me yeah, on I, that. I, it, well, it just, he said just, the mighty bangles. Yeah, it was just ridiculous. He's yeah. just being rude. Well, it's, <laughs> it, it, it's just being rude. And, and that, and, and hey, listen. Look, all I know is you, look, you beat Idaho State. It should have been a five-year extension, honestly. That's oh, now, no. Okay, now you are being ugly. Now it, it, I'm on it, Will's it, side here. It, I mean, I'm but, kidding. I, I'm kidding. Okay. Kind of. Um. Now you get the mighty Minutemen. No, we're not doing this. We're not doing Minutemen and Bengals. No, we're just not going to do any mighties. That's what I, I don't want to hear the mighty. I'm okay with the Minutemen. I'm okay no, with the, the Bengals. You figure out one thing that annoys somebody, and you just kind of have to keep going to it. I promise. That's the last mighty of the day, of the show. Let's let's no do more. let's do hit this though. So you you beat Idaho State, and then Tom Homo comes into the locker room and wow, unveils the extend Kalani thing and yeah, yeah. and makes a big deal out of it uh, was it all along was it idaho state or was it just bolt eligibility because you could have seen after that utah state win bolt eligibility i mean you go back to last year's bolt eligibility like what was it that did it now will what what broke the the, the dam and, and allowed this to happen well, well there's several things that I, i'm thinking and you know, I had gotten to the point where I just threw my hands up in the air and just said, you know what, they're not going to extend them. There's no interest in it. And, you know, they don't see the benefit of, of Kalani. And, you know, I was expecting to see Kalani sign a deal um, in the Pac-12 or Big 12. or I literally was. I was thinking, you know what, Kalani Sataki is going to be gone after this season because I know for a fact from my business dealings that – there's a lot of people interested in him want his services and so I was really shocked so I think that it really was probably once he hit a bowl you know made sure he's bowl eligible even knew no it was going to be I mean it would have been nice to get that celebration after a big a bigger yeah. win than the mighty than the mighty Bengals your words not mine um, and I'm just trying to be respectful to you Scotty I appreciate that. Uh, but you know, at the end of the day, I'm just I'm taking it. I'm very happy. I'm proud of my friend. I'm proud of the coach. I think he is. Uh, um, BYU should do every single thing they should do to life him. Um, uh, as you know, as BYU coaching at BYU and being a BYU guy, I want to be secure. We have not had success 
um, with a lot of different movements at quarter, uh, at um, at the head man, and uh, you well, you have to find a guy who's in love with the program, in love with the school, in love with the system, knows the system, played in the system, um, and also played in the system as a kid who wasn't you know as is is. Let's say an upstanding of a citizen inside of the program as you were, as someone like Hans, right? You know, or Will Snowden. I was very, yeah, I was very diligent in every move you made. Yeah, and it was respectful. And 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 when people thought of BYU football as far as the honor of it, yeah, the way that we carry ourselves, um. They think Hans Olsen. And Rob Morris. Rob Morris. I just love how you guys are saying this with a straight face. <laughs> Rob Morris. People like Rob. Uh, you know, th- th- that th- that's who we think of. Yeah. You know, Rob and Byron Frisch. Agreed. Yeah, so that's how I look at it. And uh, But listen, I, I love the, the extension. I think it's right on time. Yep. You know, I think Kalani was waiting for it, waiting for it, waiting for it, getting a little bit uncomfortable if it was going to happen. Um, but I do think that the fan base should give themselves a, a hand. I think that it played a big role in in the boosters and in the organization realizing that Kalani Sataki is loved and he's supported and people believe in him, his players believe in him, and you know, I think you gotta give the fans what they want. Now it's about winning and continuing to win and uh, building the program to the top to the top level it can be at. So Well, I mean, frankly, I think whether it's Tom Holmo's decision or a combined decision between he and a lot of other people up in the administration of BYU, they realize you got, even if you didn't want Tom Holmo, which I'm I, or even if you didn't want Kalani Sataki, which I believe Tom Holmo did, but uh, I think that you really had no leverage at this point. Yeah, like yeah. you've you got you had to like there was yeah it, it was just getting to the, yeah I mean I just don't think yeah I agree with you hundred percent and I you know I'm the biggest fan of Tom Homo I just think the guy I, I've always loved sitting down with Tom talking to him he's got, he's a great mind uh, he knows football. And um, I think he knew that Kalani was his guy, um, but he I think he had to cater to. A lot of different things. I yeah. mean, there's a lot to cater to. You know, you have the fans out there who expect perfection from the coaches or want perfection from the coaches. And, um, you know, with Kalani losing those games that he lost this year, um, the dreaded uh, mighty uh, – what are the Toledo? Toledo what? Uh, mud hits. Diamonds? Mud hits? Rockets. Wow. The, the mighty Rockets and the mighty whatever we lost to, I think it's hard to deal with. And, and I think that, you know, Tom really probably thought to himself, we might have to let Kalani go, you know, because yeah. people really yeah. were just, uh, I mean, just took those losses as completely unacceptable, a disgrace. And uh, listen, for me, I didn't see it that way. I, I, I know that each week you have to prepare. Yes, we should have won those games. There were games that we won, we lost. It's not like they got blown out. They got lo- they lost, you know, in the last final bit of the game. Yeah. And we have to just look at it and say, well, dude, you have a lot of injuries. Your backup quarterbacks. There's so many different issues that go into that type of loss, and um, also that tough schedule you played at the beginning. That are things that I think Tom was able to forgive Kalani for. So, Will, with the announcement of Kalani being extended, and we don't know the exact money details, and I, I don't know if we have all the details on how, never the, will. And how the years are And we work. never will. Yeah. We never will. They, they have zero transparency there, and, and, and Tom Olmo is not willing to do um, radio interviews yeah. outside of the, the, the media scrum that he has. So I'd love to get more, more information on it, but we won't get it. But we've seen some ripples in – 
the coaching offices. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, there were a lot of rumors that Kalani Sataki interjected himself into linebacker play and helping with scheme defensively. There were a lot of rumors that Aaron Roderick took things over offensively. So even though Kalani is extended, it feels like there's some coaching decisions that need to be solidified, maybe cleaned up, re-justified, those kinds of things. Are, are you expecting to see assistant changes or adjustments? Yeah, I think there will be some adjustments made. Um, and I think it will be more – I mean, there's just – Listen, when I don't, when I can't read the contract, I want to understand what Kalani's, uh, what Kalani's decision pow- decision making and his power is um, to actually decide what's going to happen on the staff, yeah. who's going to be there. I don't know. Is that Tom? Does Tom still have a lot of the say may- on what the staff is going to be? Or have they said, Kalani, you've been here for four years now. We trust you. We know who you are. We know what you are. Basically, we, we need to trust you and let your vision be your vision with the program. As long as you bring in uh, coaches that um, follow our standards, um, who carry themselves in the proper way, um, but I just don't know. So yeah, there could be changes. There might not be changes. It's kind of hard. You know, you look at it and you say, well, wow, um, we, if, if they finish what I think they should finish is 9-4, and four. I think that if we get South Florida in the Hawaii Bowl, I think it'll be a truly challenging game. Um, I think that's the game that will cause us more challenges than anyone else we could play in that game. Um, but if they win that, because I expect them to win this week, I expect them to be able to get by San Diego State. I think it's going to be a real challenge to beat San Diego State. Um, but and but I think they'll get it done. And uh, that's seven straight. That's six straight wins. And if you win a bowl game, that's seven straight wins, guys. How can – I mean, it's hard to just start firing your coaches when you went nine and four. Yeah. And, you, and, and easily it could have been 11 and two if your running back is healthy, your quarterback is healthy, you don't have all the issues that yeah. you have. So we have to look at it and just say, you know, you lose those two games you lost, but it's not like they went out there full with every single thing they expected to have going into those games. No, I know everyone has those struggles. I'm not making excuses for it. They should have won those games, but at the end of the day, mm-hmm. that's what happens in the football business. Usually, you catch a few good breaks, a few bad breaks, but to have a great season, you have to have some better breaks, positive breaks, and bad breaks. It's hard to win week in and week out, no. and those weeks were bad for them, and um, so, listen, I, I don't know. It's, I don't know. What do you guys think? If, you're, if you go, if you win seven straight games, and you're an assistant coach, do you expect to be fired? No. no. Nope. Not no. at all. No, but, but I, I do know along the way, I do know what I did. And I do know what the issues were. And I do know where the noise was coming from. And I, and I do know the changes that were made quietly that affected the, the seven-game streak. Like, if my, if my, okay, okay. I understand. If I my day-to-day that. operations were changed just before that seven-game streak, just before the Boise State win, just before that Utah State win, and things started to turn for the better and things were tweaked and changed, then I'm going to expect a label change. And, and Will, I know you were a part of, of, a, of an offense and a, <clears throat> and a situation with Norm Chow where things weren't going well. And on the outside, I don't know how much BYU fans understood some of the turmoil on the inside and how things were going with the eventual release of Norm Chow. Well, well no, because it just... Are you talking um, about at Brigham? Yeah, I'm talking about BYU yeah, okay. as the offense coordinator. Because what I'm saying, Will, is... Well, I had the real problems in 2000 when, when Norm left and then 
um, we had a change of the OC and the offense just couldn't get it done. But that year we played three different quarterbacks. There was a lot of different issues yeah. that we ran into that year. But I think 99, our offense was rolling, and that was the last year that Norm was there. So I think you're talking about maybe when we switched over to Reynolds. Well, the point, the point that I'm trying to make is this, one thing that's been really hard for me to adjust to being an on-air analyst is remembering how much we knew in the locker room yes. as players and how much we now know as analysts. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And so sometimes I get anxiety because I know that there's changes that need to be made there. Hmm. There are changes that, that there are some tweaks and changes that need to be made there. I don't know how bad it is in the coaching locker room. I don't know how bad it is in the player locker room. I, I don't know exactly what's happening, but a lot of times we don't see the under part of the iceberg. Yeah, that's true. And it feels like there's an under part of an iceberg that needs to be addressed with the assistant coaches at, 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 yeah. at BYU. I agree with you. And listen, I think the players, what what you've seen with BYU this year is that they have had some great leadership from their players because they did rally together when things were hard. They bounced back, won the big – they won some big games this year, some games that they went in as true underdogs and they took care of business. Um, so that says a lot to me about the coaches, but also even more hands about the players. You've been on teams before where one person not believing is enough to make you not believe right you know that, that you always got to get rid of that that bad apple i think these guys have come together and they believe but i do agree with you there will be some changes and, and listen uh, hey i don't know where it is i mean obviously there's been issues about how effective we were with stopping the run is that scheme is that something that can be changed really easily with the same d coordinator or does the change have to happen there offensively there is a difference between what what this young with what uh, Coach Grimes wants to do offensively compared to A Rod. I mean, they're they're different. But one of the things that I that that really is the question I have is: Can this group of coaches humble themselves to make the offense really really fly? Because I'm going to tell you a secret that I don't know if people really understand. BYU has dudes who know how to coach offensive football. You have uh, just on that uh, on that coaching staff roster right now, you have three guys who've been OCs. It's actually four because you have Grimes, who's an OC now. You have Steve Clark, who was an OC. You have Fessy Sataki, who was an OC. And you have Aaron Roderick, who was an OC. That's four offensive minds. They, so so my, my question is, I don't, I don't know if it's a concern of who's calling it, um, but I hope that they'll really sit down and say, this is the direction we should be going. Because there's, I mean, think about that, guys. Four, that, that's four OCs. OCs. Yeah. Yep. I mean, they all have experience, and all of them have had success. Every one of them has had success calling plays. Mm-hmm. Every single one of them. Fessy's had a lot of success calling plays. Steve Clark won, I think he won two conference championships at the FCS level calling the plays for, for Coach Lamb. The guy is, I mean, Clark is a very respected X's and O offensive genius, offensive mind. He knows his stuff. So, to me, I, 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 the offense should never be any type of issue when you have four guys who know what they're doing, who've had success, unless there's a unless there's an issue with respect and being able to humble yourself and say, you know what, maybe I should listen to him today and listen to him today and listen to him today. And I'm not. That's not a call out on Grimes. I'm sure he does that. But I'm just saying. When you think about that, do you want to let go on a, 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 something when you have four minds that have called plays? 
That's if, tough. If if they're working together, because you also have four alphas who have exactly. all called games. Yeah, that's true. And, and and that can be a plus, but it can also be a negative. True. You know, because... And also, Grimes has been at the highest level. Exactly. So maybe that's something where he says, listen, it's going to be my way or no way yeah. because I come from LSU and all the places I've been. I'm and, it's, get you, and it's my label. Yeah. And it's my label. So, I'm going yeah. to get your input, and you can weigh in, but at the end of the day, I'm the one calling the plays. But th- realistically, guys, we've all been in a hierarchy. We, we know that that's how it works your name is on the coordinating so if you're allowing somebody else to coordinate and things are going downhill then people aren't saying oh steve clark they're saying jeff grimes yeah. has got problems yeah so at the it, when when game time comes if my name is on the coordinating label i'll take suggestions but i'm calling the play because if we lose and it's my fault and my name's on it. At least I did it my way. I hear you. Uh, I hear you 100%. And, 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 and listen, I, I don't know. Obviously, I'm a big-time Jeff Grimes fan. I believe in Jeff Grimes. Um, I, I, do I think that he's been learning on the run? I mean, you obviously, when it's your first o- OC job, you're, there's some things that you're saying, hey, Jeff, you might be off there. But I do understand his mind, his, his ability to put together plays and opportunities. And I think he's done a very good job. And I think that maybe there might be some some power struggle between all of those guys listen we'll see at the end of the season but i do think there will be some changes i can't tell you guys 100 percent where that will be will it will it be only defensively will it only be offensively there's a lot of things but i do think that um coach tuiaki is very open and humble i think that it would be easier to manage tuiaki's expectations yeah. and yeah. lead him than Coach Grimes simply because of Grimes, who Coach Grimes is. He has a great, he has a really, really strong um, resume. He's done great things. He's respected as one of the best coaches in the country. Uh, when he came to Brigham Young, I think he was the highest paid O-line coach in the country at that time. Um, and they were willing to do a lot to keep him there at LSU. Yeah. He left a lot to come here. Um, he loves Utah. He loves BYU. Um, so, so I'm just interested to see how it all works out. Scotty, I've got a major issue with something that's going on with this BYU football team right now that has to change. That's just a tease. I'll hold on to it. But Will and I need to talk about this because there's something, there's one aspect of this thing that absolutely has to change. And I'm, I've, I've had it with it. What? Wow. You, 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 uh, I've had it. Up to here? Up, up to here. Up to here. Thank you. I'm pointing to like my nose area. Up to here. No more. Wow, Just and we're going to talk. Are we going to discuss it live on air? Next. Yes. I can't even wait. I know. Right? <laughs> <laughs> hey, make sure to call the Action Plumbing uh, team and get your preseason furnace tune-up and safety check for $33 by calling Action Plumbing at 801-833-3333 or by going to actionplumbing.net. Live here at Tim Daly Nissan Southtown off that 114 South exit. Would love for you to come by hang out with us. These vehicles priced to move with a forever warranty, which means you get a lifetime warranty on your vehicle and guess how much it's going to cost you will what what, what an extra thousand two thousand what would you think I lifetime say- warranty on a vehicle engine goes out covered transmission goes out covered unbelievable i mean that that is worth a car i mean i i don't even know it, it is shocking how about this it is shocking i'm shocked zero dollars zero dollars zero dollars they're I- gonna throw it in for free are people are people not hearing this? I, I've been I've been banging the drum on this for months now since they unveiled it. 
you got to come down here. People are like, oh, there's something, there's there's, there's something yeah, up yeah. with it. Okay, well then just come down and ask and say, all right, tell me about this. Where's the catch? Because there is none. It's right here, Tim Daly Nissan Southtown off that 114 South exit, plus tons of jazz gear too. It's all right here on the Zone Sports Network. This is Tony Parks and Austin Horton. Greg Rebell joins us right now. Earlier we were talking about Jim Carrey. Great Canadian. What Canadian <laughs> are you most proud of in the entertainment world to know that they come from your home? And all our best Canadians come from Canada, so, or best uh, entertainers. No, yeah, no you're right, Canada. Austin. All the best Canadians <laughs> do come from Canada. <laughs> our best That's entertainers. A great point. Oh my gosh, I'll never hear the end of that point. one. <laughs> I'll never hear the end of that one. You can't argue that. You can't argue that. <laughs> right, it, right. Well, I, I, I hate to be cliche, but, you know, the greatest rock and roll musicians of all time. And that's the, the holy triumvirate of Rush. Thanks so much, Greg. We appreciate you. He's a and, Canadian uh, from Canada. All our best Canadians come from Canada. Tony Parks and Austin Horton. Weekdays from 10 to noon on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Ninety seven five twelve eighty the zone and the zone sports network. Hans Olsen, Scott Gerard, welcome back to your Cougar preview show as we get you ready for BYU taking on UMass. And if you want to see that game, you may have to uh, pony up a little bit of money too. Best right. defensive tackle in the NFL is six foot one. Oh, two hundred eighty-five. You're preaching to the choir. You're preaching to the choir. Are you going to drop this right oh, now? Yeah. Are no, you we drop- need to. We need yeah. to get to this because you said there is a conversation that needs to be had about a concern you have yeah. in dun, regards dun, to dun. BYU. Give it to me, please. Thank you. How has BYU fallen so far on their defensive front? This is the worst defensive line that I've seen at BYU in a long time. Guys, I, I've got to tell the listeners right now, this was a... Hands is serious about this, and, and I love the passion to see the passion that you're having about this because you are, I mean, people can say a lot of things about you, but one thing is Hans Olsen played the D-line spot wonderfully, tremendously, I breathe by you. He gave everything he had to it. So watching guys get blown off the ball must be sickening to you. Yeah, it's and devastating. It, 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 it hurts. And, and I'll, I'll tell you, I've tried to make excuses, but the, the fact that the things that I'm seeing is, number one. By the way, I, t- <sighs> I tweeted that video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I, I, erased, yeah. I erased it five yeah. minutes later yeah, but, because of how embarrassing it is. It, 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 it's a shame, and, and and you see no dip, no rip, no fight. In it, it, that was really, really despicable football. Yeah. Um, and there is no excuse for it. I don't know how it's gotten their hands. One of the things I I will think is when I watch those type of plays, it can't. The, I, 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 listen, I don't like to be critical, but listen. I think the practices. When I, one of the things I have done is is seen the way that Utah practices. And I'll tell you that it's very physical. It's 18 periods of these guys are really, really competing. And this might be something that the D line just has to decide that they're gonna they're gonna compete a little bit harder in practice. Because uh, when I see those I, when I see them coming off the ball that way, I, what else can I say? So uh, so so it's number one. I've got to look at who's coaching the D line and saying, are right, is this acceptable? Because we have to let them know it's just 100 percent not acceptable. But also, it's more than one player. 
right? It's more than one player not getting it completely done on the um, D-line. 100%. So um, there are a lot of things that, I mean, listen, there's nothing else for me to say except for it has been not very good. Well, and it's helped me to understand the struggles that our backers have had because you know I've been very critical of the backers. I want them more downhill. I want them filling gaps more. I want them more physical. And we've seen quite a bit of improvement there we have. A- after that South Florida game. Yes. So, Scotty, l- l- let me ask you this. San Diego State, What's their run game like? What's what's their their ability to get pushed in their power game? Um, like? Their run game's okay. They've got a quarterback who is a Mountain West Conference version of Johnny Manziel that will just run around yeah. and try to make crazy plays on you. Okay, um, but they can run the ball, Scotty. They, but they, they can run the ball, and that's yeah. what they want. To and do. they 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 are a run. It's a rocky long team. Yeah. They want to they want to go power football on you. Okay, so we've seen what power football can do to this defensive front. Yeah, it's it, yeah, it's, it's well, the, we've already seen. I mean, we're, we're, they're still hundred and whatever in, against the run in the country. It's not good. No, it's not. It's terrible. Yeah. It's terrible. And, and their big plays are terrible. You know, they're one hundred twentieth in sacks, one hundred twenty fifth in TFLs. They can't get in the backfield. They can't produce. And I'm watching them get bullied, pushed around by Idaho State. Now, now I know they beat Idaho State, and sometimes a lot of things get lost in the shuffle in a game like Idaho State. And, and, and another thing, you're bringing a great point that the coaches, I mean, you can get lost in the shuffle, and it can be something that you don't even that you don't even uh, fix or address. Yeah, you don't even address because you don't really spend a ton of time yeah, watching them on the team by 40 points. Yeah, so, 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 yeah, I mean. So my worry is you're going to get this UMass team, you're going to just destroy them. That San Diego State team, there's a good good chance that come San Diego State week, I'm going to be favoring San Diego State because I'm not happy with what they're doing on their defensive front. Well, well what can, let me ask you this, Hans. What can change your no, view? let me ask you that okay. because I think it's Juco recruit. Well, no, I'm okay, sorry. So I, I, don't, no, I, don't, I don't want to take I don't want to take because that's your, that's your opinion. I want to ask you, what can they do to get the personnel in there? Because there's a long history of really good defensive line play, and Elisa Tuiaki and Kalani Sataki coach some of the best <coughs> defensive lines to play in the state of Utah at the University of Utah. Yes. So how is it, recruiting-wise, well, well, how can they change this? Well, remember, I mean, the guys that Kalani was recruiting at Utah can't always work out at BYU. I mean, they might not get in. I mean, there's a lot that goes into getting into Brigham Young University at these, at these days, and um, so Obviously, you, it's not 100% fair to say, well, Lysa, you had a nine, isn't it? I mean, well, yeah, they, they well, they weren't really guys who wanted to go to BYU. or um, So they're, they're built a little bit different. Um, but what I do think BYU does need to do, they have to address the D-line play. It must get better. Period. And the backer play still must get better moving forward. And it has got better. But to move into where they're going after this season, they have to get better. More physical, more downhill, better pad level with the D linemen, more fight and fire in this with this D line because I'm I, I've just not been impressed with the way they've they've, they've competed consistently. Right. Uh, you know, and, and that's one of the things. And, and Tonga's been pretty good. He's been very consistent this year, but everywhere else there's been a lot of questions on that D line. So let me ask let me ask both of you this in terms of depth. Um so next year um you know you'll recruit, you'll sign some freshmen, you'll do what you can, but are there sophomores and juniors on this team that are ready to take the next step. Like, how can this get fixed? This year, I mean, look, you got three games left. It is what it is. Or, you know, whatever. Uh, but next year, 2020, when you play that schedule, do you feel confident that there's guys on the roster that can that can improve this this position group? 
well, well, we have not seen that yet this year, right? Yeah, we have not seen I know, that this year. So, so, so I, I'm hoping that Brigham Young uh, is is really digging into not only high school. D lineman because yep. it's very rare that you go get a high school D lineman who's ready to go it, and take on Utah's yeah. offensive line. That just doesn't seem like game. a position that translates well from high school high, to yeah. college, right? And, and we do have some great, yeah, even yeah, great, not quickly. I yeah. mean, even the great Hans Olsen, you know, had, yeah, yeah. had, to, had to redshirt. And he was a big, you know, you know. Could you have played I, your freshman year? I'm glad you called me great, not mighty. Because no, 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 no. But obviously, you had a yeah. you had an awesome career at BYU. You set records. I I'm not blowing smoke, but. Could you have played as a true freshman? No. And been successful? I, I could have held my own. I couldn't have been highly yeah. successful. Yeah, he would have not have been. But in those years also, we had built – I mean, Lavelle had built yes. up a, a, a stable of D linemen. Because that year, our starting uh, – we our nose was um, – Henry Bloomfield. Henry Bloomfield. Our D tackle was – Ed Keel and Harlan Ayu. Harlan, Harlan Ayu. Was Keel playing on the end? Yeah. And he was on the end, and Byron Frisch was on the other end. And Yancey was And the then backup. Darren Yancey. I mean, you, we were five, six guys who could, could really get it done. Um, and we were probably seven guys. And then that same year, Hans came in. We had a really good class. Our 96 class that signed at BYU was one of the best, most talented classes ever. I mean, that came in, yeah. just as far as who we brought in. Ronnie Jenkins was brought in. Brian McKenzie was brought in. Uh, Chris Ellison, Omar Morgan, um, Ronnie Hooks. Jenkins, Margin Hooks, um, Brian McKenzie. I mean, it was just, a, a, I mean, the list goes on and on. Hans Olsen, guys. Uh, I think it's disrespectful you left Larry Moyaki off there. No, Larry is, a, I mean, I would never disrespect Moyaki. <laughs> I, I love Moyaki. <laughs> so my point is, so, so yes, I do think that that is one of the biggest things, that they, one of the biggest concerns that I have for Brigham Young football right now is the D-line. And, but I, I, and also, we have a lot of backers, but they do have a good amount coming back from missions right now. Okay. But that does not solve the issue for now, 2020. And that, that was my question. Yeah, like, so, how, so, how well can this be addressed? Because you know the JC thing and the grad transfer is always a problem at BYU. Yes. He's making me depressed, but but I'll tell you, I think they're going to have to go JC and they're going to have to go grad transfer. I'd like to see two, uh, at least one JC and one grad transfer. Those would be the main uh, things that I'd be trying to attack right now. I think that they have the depth they need at running back. I think they're okay next year at running back with Final with um, with. Katoa. Uh, Lopini Katoa yeah. and uh, the rest of the backs that they have. I don't know if that would be my number one priority as a back, but the D-line has to be better because we have to figure out how to stop the run. And then these backers are going to have to play a little bit closer to the ball and get downhill quicker and take on these and fill gaps a little bit better. Those are concerns I have defensively. So I'm, I'm with you. So I think we need to get into the JCs. A couple of things just to just to go, go names and a little bit more information on the D-line. Austin Ch- Chambers, Zach Daw and Brackenell Bakri will all be seniors. Those three. So Zach Daw and Brackenell Bakri, who've had multiple starts and have kind of been seniors a mainstay. next year. They're seniors next year. Oh. But but what they are is they're position holders. Yeah. You know they're they're going to hold their gap. They are workers. They're blue collar guys, and and they're doing their work, and they're going to be okay. I haven't seen what I need to see out of guys like Lorenzo Faltea, who's going to be a junior. You remember at the beginning of the season I talked to you about Atanaisa Mahe? Mm-hmm. Remember, Mahe had some really great moments. Had some good moments against Utah State. Yeah, had some great moments against Utah State. But there's also letdowns. Now, he's just a freshman, so he'll be a sophomore. Maybe he can take a step. I want to remind everybody, Kyrus Tong is gone. 
I've heard people saying, well, you know, now that Kalani's signed, you've got to go after Bushman and Tonga. Those are your two recruits that you've got to make sure. No, I don't know about Bushman. Bushman might be back. I guarantee Kyle Bushman Tonga's will gone. not be back. I, already, I, I'm telling you right now, I, I guarantee you Bushman will not be back in New York Cars So let's stop talking about it. They're done? Done. Okay, so. Bushman has to go get paid right now. The young man. He's, he, 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 he's what, 24, 25, yeah, right? 25 years old. Yeah. I mean, he, I mean he, he, he needs to go get paid. So there's, there's a couple of guys. One guy that I do have hope for that can be a little bit of a spark plug, has a motor. In spring, he was the one guy BYU was having a hard time keeping out of the backfield. And I think he can be a motor guy is Gabe Summers. If he if he keeps developing, you know, I think a lot of these coaches are looking at him and saying, well, he's an undersized guy and he's got to get a little more stout in run defense. But you watch a guy that can get to the quarterback and he does it unorth- in an unorthodox fashion. Yeah. But maybe he's somebody that can spark the, the defensive line and get him going in the next couple of years. I, I would love to see that. I, I would love to see that. But I'll just tell you right now, Hans, I, I, listen, you know, that's why we have spring ball. But, but recruiting is the name of this business. Right, so, so we have to. The recruiting is the name of college football. You have to go out and get the best capable, get best possible players you can get. And right now, they have to identify where the issues are, and you have to fix it. You can't go play these schedules and expect to win consistently without. You can't do it. So, you, so Cam's. Let's not beat around the bush. Go get the guys that. The, the reality is, we've give, we're a hundred. What, what are we ranked right now against the? Uh, against the run it's, it's it's not good enough so you have to address those issues and you have to win it in recruiting so the, i know kalani is right now uh, against the run we're 104th at 197 yards a game 104th in the country out of 130 and and, and we were at 120 i mean so we've made some cha- some strides since boise state so but still we just can't I mean, when you're not and when you're 104th in the country 193 yards a game you given up yeah, yeah. It, just, it just and and and, and guys let, let round it up to 195 yeah. 194 and it's tough for me now because the yeah. last week you Sorry. know what what, what it, i mean Idaho State probably that really helped us cuz they didn't run the ball very well it's not like they so so against the teams that are that matter most to BYU they ran the ball up and down the field you have to stop it. And BYU understands it. The coaches understand it. And the only way you fix it is coaching the guys that you have harder, but also adding to that stable. And I expect them to add to the stable. You know, you bring up a really good point, though. Like, this, there's a lot of things that sometimes when you play Idaho State and UMass and maybe even Liberty to a certain extent, is that it's going to pad your stats and maybe not look, make the issues look as big as they are. And I think that's why it's really because there's look there's a lot of good things going on in BYU right now you know you got the extension you're going to win you know six or seven games to end the season and may end up winning more if you win the bowl game you know there's a lot of good things going on right now but i think it's important to look at okay you got your extension everything's in place but let's talk about what this team is going to look like next season because there are some significant issues that need to be addressed if you want to take a team that wins seven or eight games and then all of a sudden go and win 9 10 11 games or beat utah or compete with Utah. Well, you damn well better find somebody that can rush a quarterback one-on-one. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, they keep pushing with Devin Kafusi. Maybe he develops, but yeah. it's not working right now. He's not he's not hitting the stride that Bronson yeah. did. He's not even hitting the stride that Corbin did. And so I don't look at him as, as the answer down the road. Well, but he could be. I mean, listen, you have what, to add to the stable. What's the likelihood? Where did 
I, I don't want to throw the question of where the Weaver comes from because, you know, I was just saying, Boise State's got one of the best rushers in the business right now. Oh, yeah, he's unbelievable. So, are, Will, are there, are there one-on-one pass rushers at the JUCO level that BYU could get admitted? Yeah, of course. So, so let's just be honest Wait. about what, what, the, what, what you have to have to be to, from the JUCO to get into BYU. You have to graduate, and you have to have at least a – listen, I hear 2.75 to 3.0, but a JUCO, I believe, is 2.75. 2.75 to get in. But the, Whoa. Wait a minute. You just have to have your associates, and you can be, your GPA can be as low as 2.75. So JUCOs are easier to get into school than, than, grad, even, transfers. than grad transfers. Okay. Because they're going into – because the JUCO is now just coming in to get his – he's got his AA, but now he's going to get into his, to yeah. his major. So it's, yeah. it's not the same thing. Whereas as trying to find a graduate, graduate program graduate to accept program him. Okay, accept I, I got you. It's a little bit easier. Yeah. But still, the, the reality is it's 3.0 to 2.75. There's guys out there who are getting that done. Um, but that hasn't – been something that BYU has really been doing. I, you know, I, I would expect to see more junior college transfers coming into Brigham Young, and um, I, I, I'm hoping that Kalani addresses that and goes and gets more. And I, I and one of the things that I, I see is I want to see more junior college transfers. BYU has been notorious lately of only going to get JUCO transfers that play corner. It's all. I mean, it's. It, tell me the last. I don't know. I'm trying to think of the last JUCOs that they brought in that play O line, D line. Uh, the last JUCO I remember is Trinman. Was he a? Yeah, he's a receiver. He was yeah. a receiver. So, so, JUCO so, kid. so receiver. So so receiver. Yeah, I don't, I don't, uh, outside guys. I don't uh, remember any any offense defensive lineman. Uh, backers either. Yeah. That's a good point. I mean, so so I I, I want them to to really go into the junior college and say, okay, well, let's see what we've got here. Uh, in the interior, Let, let's go get a guy who's an NFL draft pick, they, so he can come in here and, and we can tell him, you know what, dude? Yeah, you have these other opportunities, but let me tell you what's going to happen when you come to BYU. You're going to have a fan base that loves you. You're going to start for two years. You're going to get a great education. You're going to get people to love on you, and, and you're going to be our guy. I, I want to see more junior college transfers in the interior line and at the back, backer position. Now there won't be any more backers coming in here for a while. We have too many backers on the on the roster right now, so. I don't think they'll sign a backer for the next two or three years. Well, I'll tell you this. I can't go in and th- go through another season and watch a defensive line get manhandled like this. And, and there's a couple of guys that I continue to see get reps that one out of five plays, they're getting owned. And when I say owned, I mean pushed into the dirt and embarrassed. And pushed back. I've, I've seen a lot of guys get driven right off the ball, yeah. back four or five yards. And and for me, I mean, just fall to the ground at least. I mean, j- j- just I mean, if you're getting over, I mean, just chop to just the, fall the, and, and create create uh, yeah, uh, a, a, a pile. Yeah, a pile. Yeah, because yeah. you can't just get pushed back into the backers. You can. And and that those are some of the things that frustrate me, hands. Like I can understand if you get doubled real good and and I'm pushing you and you got to fight. But hands, if you know you're defeated, you've got to now chop me down. Yeah, right. You can't just let keep. You, I can't just continue to push you backwards. No, you learn to create a pile in eighth grade, man. You know, you learn to create a pile in eighth grade. You you don't get thrown into a back judge. That doesn't happen. No. And it feels just, uh, you know. And, and so, oh, sorry. again, we, we talk about this. Kairos Tonga is doing his thing. Yeah. Great pad level. He's giving you a higher percentage effort on a higher percentage of plays than he did the year before. Mm-hmm. And I think that he's had a better year than he did last year. And I do think that he's a draftable athlete. I think probably fifth, sixth range. Yeah. Well, it depends on how he tests. I mean, because he, he, I could see him dropping the fourth. 
it's a big body. I mean, I mean that frame's got to be appealing to a lot of yeah, NFL it, it, and, and the way he's moving around, I, I, I he's he moved a lot better hands to he me could. than I believed he could. He could move up there. I think he could move into that fourth round. I, I, I think he's going to work really hard, and I could see him dropping in the fourth. And, and, it's, it's all. I mean, because if you have someone who can hold that gap, yeah. I mean that that gets a, it's a linebacker's dream. Well, then. It, it, Scouts have a way of identifying if you've got star low to lele commitment or low low to lele yeah. commitment. Like the, scouts are going to decipher that. They're going to figure that out. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you dropped twenty pounds. Why did it take you so long? Why didn't you do that before? What 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 are you? What's motivating you now? Mm-hmm. Well, what's going to motivate you in five years when you're sore and now we've got eighteen million dollars invested in you? Like they'll get to the bottom of that. He's going to have to show like a real drive, and it seems like he's got that. It seems like he did this year. He played for the money, dude. I, I'll tell you right now. I, I was the, the effort this year is it's night and day. Um, you know, I had Utah State coaches tell me that that um, that as far as a chance to impact the game on that on that position, um, he was better than anybody LSU had on that's, that line. That's a big time statement. Really? Yeah. So the the best knows they faced all year. That's impressive. I didn't know that. I got to call my boy out there at LSU and tell him that that's what was said about him. He'll shake him up. East boy. He'll shake him up. But he, as far as nose tackles go, he's disruptive. Now, he's not in Domicon Sue college-level disruptive. In no. uh, could get free. Tonga takes a man with him. But don't you think Tonga's... I mean, I don't know. But, but, but you're I, talking about Sue, who's a first pick. I mean, he's right, a yeah. top ten pick. Right, yeah. I mean, come on, man. Uh, he's, he's he's probably the, one of the best D-line prospects in the last 15 years. Right. But, right. but isn't, don't, isn't Kyrus going to be more of a, like a space eater? Yeah. Like, like a Haloti Nada? Can he two-gap? I think he can two-gap. He's a strong kid. He, and he, with that good base... Got to have a quick first step on yeah, it. And, 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 and the way he's pushing guys back, he, I mean, the, the, the disruption, the, the, when I was really sold on him is when I saw him dominate the A-gap against USC. He was two-gapping the whole game, dude. Yeah. I mean, he just controlled that gap. Yeah, he did. Both sides. So, I mean, I, I, think that's, I think that is the film that's really going to get him paid. But, you know, but the reality is back to everything else we have. There's issues, and you're 100% right, and I'm glad you brought that up because, I, I, you know, I, I've been really critical of the backers this year because I, I, I spend more time watching the backers in the secondary, and I just want to see backers downhill. And, and one of the things that happens is when you get so many interceptions, I mean, think about it. We have 12 interceptions from our linebackers. Yeah. So naturally, when you're getting that many interceptions, it's natural that you're a little bit late to the run yeah. and, cl- and quick to the pass because yes, you've sir. been getting picks. Yes, sir. Point. So, so, I mean, so that's where I've been frustrated. Those are my frustrations, but I think they've cleaned that up pretty well. Running late. Take a quick break. Come back. We'll continue to get you ready for the rest of the season for BYU as they take on, uh, again, one game coming up against UMass. And then uh, coming up a little bit later on, they wrap things up against San Diego State. It's all straight ahead. 97.5, 1280 of the zone. This is DJ and PK. Kalani Satake, he's got the contract extension. It's been a story all season long, PK. And as soon as they hit bowl eligibility, there it is for him. He brings something to the table that nobody else brought. Lavelle didn't bring it. Croton didn't bring it. Bronco didn't bring it. Kalani could sell the BYU experience because he lived it. And they need that. They need that more than ever. And they need this genuine dude. He has the toughest job of any BYU coach since Lavelle Edwards built it in the early 70s. This was the right move. 
move. He's your guy. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 till 10. Presented by WCF Insurance. Reminding you to be careful out there. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.